0: York City headquarters. That's right, baby. I'm back.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm Adam Teeter.
1: And I'm Joanna Sharino.
0: And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Bear Podcast. And Joanna, <laughs> you're not in the office. You're still home. <laughs> I'm still at home. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's really nice to be back. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be back next week and we'll, mm-hmm. you know, we'll all be back soon. It feels like, you know, we're 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 trying to reopen again, which there. is which is a good thing. We're we're getting there. Yeah. Um Zach, how's the how, how's 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 stuff in Seattle?
2: You know, it's all right. Uh, we actually had some sunshine the other day, which is uh, an <laughs> unexpected January blessing. And uh, you know, I'm getting to uh, my, my wife is going back to work quasi full time, so yes. it's uh, a lot of time with me and in, in, in my baby daughter, which is uh, kind of nice. Did some like some walks, you nice know, it's <laughs> some, some healthy January shit, which I'm sure will go out the window very soon. But, <laughs> I feel
0: like uh, I saw, like, you had some epic lunch recently on Instagram. Epic lunch.
2: Oh, yeah. Kate, Caitlin and I were able to go out to eat at a, uh, with, with Lila, at a restaurant that is has been a Seattle institution and is, is in the process of closing. I I actually think it's one of these ones where it's like when they announced they were closing, there was a lot of like, Oh no, it's COVID blah. You know, we, we, you know, we're, we're here for you. Just hang on. And, and the owners were like, you know, actually like we were kind of planning on this all along. Like this was sort of our timetable. We've been opening this, we've been operating this restaurant for a long time and Mm -hmm. we're getting up there and Mm -hmm. we just kind of want to, we want to get out and, you know, it's a bummer but understandable and it was that uh you know it was like a, a nice enough day that we felt like we could sit outside which we generally would want to do with with the baby so uh yeah it's called cafe press uh in, in the sort of the capitol hill neighborhood of seattle and they have uh it's a very like french uh bistro kind of kind of vibe so nice. uh yeah it was, it was a nice little little uh treat for the two of us before Caitlin is just in front of the computer all day, every day, uh, which starts like, you know, now, basically. <laughs> what about you, Joanna? What you been up to?
1: Um, yeah. So again, not, not too much exciting drinking for me since our last recording, but um, we did go out. Finally, we went out to dinner this past weekend. This is the first time since early December. Um, so that was very exciting. We went to the Odeon, which is just a local restaurant in Tribeca, but it also happens to be the place where what we know as the Cosmopolitan today was created um, by Toby Giacchini in 1987. So, I had a Cosmo, and oh, it's not my it's not my drink. <laughs> I
0: think oh, and not that yeah, it was bad. I, I mean, just
1: don't. Uh, it's just not my cocktail. Not your cocktail. No.
0: Yeah, it's not mine either. But it, I mean, <laughs> I, I you know, I, I, I it's fine. It's just. I, I mean, I just am not a vodka-based cocktail person. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just not. I like, I mean, well, that's not true. I mean, I don't love vodka. But now I'm going to get a hate mail being like, of course, Adam doesn't like vodka.
2: You know? Hey, you went to a vodka bar for, what was your brother's uh, bachelor party? What? Did I? Something like that? <laughs> Didn't you go to Kochka in Portland? Yes, we oh, did go to Kochka. Oh, but I
0: don't right. think of it as a vodka bar. I think it was like delicious food from... You know Well, I don't know, you went on and on, on about like the flight of vodka. Yes, the flight had. of vodka was know. very fun. Um, that is true. Good memory. Um <laughs> uh, you know, I do yeah, pay attention. Yeah, but like the Cosmo Yeah, it's I I don't know. What do you think of the Cosmo, Zach?
2: See to me, the Cosmo is this like kind of cocktail that has in my world like a time and a place. Yeah. Which is like I, I don't know that I would necessarily be like, it's a January drink for me. It's a like you know, at its base and in its most, I think, uh, ideal form. It's like, it has a refreshing element to it. And therefore like it's a kind of cocktail I could see myself enjoying on like a nice warm spring day Mm -hmm. or something like that, where it's like, it's pink. It feels a little celebratory. It's, it's, it is refreshing. Um, you know, it, that's kind of how I feel about like a drink like the daiquiri, which I know like cocktail mm-hmm. lovers go eight for and I enjoy a good daiquiri, but it's also not really like in some ways those those cocktails, which come down to for mm-hmm. me in their essence that are like spirit, sweetener and citrus, yeah. uh, even a margarita and this, boy, this might be sacrilegious. Like I like a margarita a lot, honestly, but it's not an anytime drink for me. I have mm. to be in the right kind of mood for it mm. or in the right kind of setting for it. And and I think the same would be true of a Cosmo for me because it's just kind of like it's not it's a drink that I want to like it, it's refreshing. And, and I think I probably drink them too quickly is the other problem. And so if I want to like have a cocktail that I will really kind of, you know, enjoy and appreciate, it's probably going to be something that's a little bit less citrusy and maybe a little more spirit forward.
0: Yeah, what have you drank, Adam? Yeah, yeah. what are I drinking? Well, whoo boy, what have I drank? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I is went. our
1: is your January a little damper? It's a little damper. Say it's to kind of of it. getting
0: damper and damper. <laughs> I went last weekend and visited my uh, brother in law in Philadelphia, so um, I had a fun like sort of evening into the night out with him, where yes. we we did a, a little bit of a bar crawl and then ended it a uh, laser wolf for dinner. Oh, uh, Solomonov's new, like new-ish spot in Philly. Um, How but that? I went; it was good. I mean, I thought it was very good. Um, you know, it, it's always hard for me with any of these restaurants like, that get so hyped. Yeah, and then you get there and you're like, "This is very good," but like, I don't know if I would say it's like this. This changed my world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that you know, I mean, it just can't compete against my first and only love, which is Misada in. Mm. In Fort Greene, which I think is the best Israeli restaurant in all of the United States, it's just hard to compete against Misada. So, I mean, I love really like
1: Zahav. I, though
0: I love Zahav, I, yeah. it's, this is very different. You know, Zahav is also like very fancy yeah. um, or fancier. You know, it's supposed to be like fine dining, and this is um, supposed to be like more fun and you know, laid Fashion. back and yeah, all, yeah. you know, it's all all about the appetizers and stuff. But it was a good time. Um, but I got to go to Philadelphia Distilling, which I'd never been to before, mm-hmm. and that facility is insane. Uh, just really beautiful and I had a really good Corpse Survivor number two. But then mm-hmm. uh, this week I had to go out to a work dinner and I um had a bottle of Pierre Coton, one hundred percent coton. It's a he's a um hmm. Beaujolais producer and it's a crew Beaujolais mm-hmm. from okay. Cote de brulee um, and it was really delicious. Uh, it is crazy though, like I you know, ov- obviously everyone has like talked about it. And then I just like felt it as well, like just how expensive Beaujolais has become. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had the, the piece by Jamie Good on the site, you know, last week, right, yep. Joanna? Yeah, about you know,
1: what's the next crew, Beaujolais? Basically,
0: yeah. because and it, it, I mean, this was a ninety dollar bottle of wine, <laughs> you know, yeah. all, now on the restaurant list, but still, I was like, whoa, like Beaujolais has just become so expensive. Like this wine would have been sixty five bucks, you know, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and it was an expensive. I want I want to tell you this. With.
2: That wine would have been $35 when I started drinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild. It's
0: wild. And like, again, uh, it was also, this is one of those things where I always, it's always hard for me. Like this was a, a restaurant, the restaurant we were at, I won't name. Um, But it's one of the, like, it's one of these like trendy, like they're doing, it's a tavern, but it's elevated. If that makes mm-hmm. sense? Or it's like, you know, bar food, but elevated. And it's in New York. It's got a lot of press. And, the wine list was really expensive. Like this was yeah. one of the most affordable bottles, and I and I know like when I'm saying 90s affordable, that's laughable. Um, yeah. And I had a that was like just kind of crazy to me because like when you're, I just always find that so interesting. Like you're doing burgers and roast chicken and fish and chips and stuff like that, but then the ch- like one of your more affordable bottles is 90 bucks is yeah. always so kind of like hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, but then I guess you know if you have the clientele coming, is willing to spend more. Then I guess you do, you boo.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I, we, we're going to have to have a conversation on a different episode about restaurant wine pricing and how it's, it's failing to kind of track with wine pricing and other another channels because yeah. it's I think yeah. a problem for the wine industry. But but I don't know that this is the time and place to get into it. But I have noticed that same thing, and it is right. It is, I think, very short-sighted, uh, both by individual restaurants and certainly, you know, not that the category, not that re- the restaurant industry operates in lockstep, obviously, as we've seen over the last couple of years. You know, it's hundreds of thousands or thousands or tens of thousands of operators all doing their own thing. And that's cool in some ways, but it is. There is a little bit of a of a problem of of wine pricing in restaurants. I think that is that has gotten just worse and worse.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, right? You know, like, people and, are going
1: to stop buying wine, like buy the bottle too.
0: Yeah, and then you know we're going to talk about this in a future episode. But like they're just going to order cocktails, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's like I think there's there's so much um, that's sort of influencing maybe why millennials, et cetera, are not drinking as much wine. Drinking and, trends, yeah. And this is this is one of them. I mean, it's just like when the cocktails are fifteen or sixteen bucks and like an affordable red is ninety bucks and that's not gonna you know, if you're dining with four people like I was, you might you probably have to order more than one bottle to make it through it's just not going to happen as much anymore i feel yeah. like it's just yeah the the pricing in the restaurants especially in like the trendy restaurants that everyone wants to eat at because they're getting covered by all the media outlets out there including ours um you know it just means that like they're going to find other things because they want to be there they want to experience like why was this you know why are these oysters Rockefeller supposed to be so good or whatever yeah. it is? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's it's definitely for a, lo- a longer, con- a different conversation, but uh, interesting one to think about, to, you know, to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the conversation we're gonna have instead today <laughs> is is sort of related, which is like is sort of the secret to success right now in terms of the restaurant and bar industry, simply design. And you know, sort of what we mean by that is not just you know drinks design, but everything that goes into making it a place where you want to. Take photos and post it on social, right? Mm-hmm. So, the wallpaper, the furniture, um, the 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 glasses that the drinks are served in, and I gotta say, a lot of me thinks yes. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think there's starting to be a little bit of a a return to old school New York in New York. Uh, Joe and I were talking about this yesterday in the office, but uh, even that, I think, is based on photography. Right, like that's also I mean you like. Ooh, this is a cool. This looks like a cool old, you know, gas-powered lamp that I'm going to take a picture next to, and <laughs> uh, you know, all old drink vessels and things like that. And I don't know. I just I feel like it's that is all it seems to take. But I mean, is this just you know my observation? What do you both think?
1: Why don't you go, Zach?
0: Okay, so I think that there's.
2: There's an element of this that feels cyclical to me in, in that I think we go through these periods of time where the driving trend in, in bars and restaurants is aesthetic and design oriented. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've been through at least one of these cycles in the industry previously where, you know, in the mid two thousands, I think you see, you saw a lot of, a you know, again, a different aesthetic and a different sort of motivating factor. It wasn't built around Instagram, frankly, um, you know, because Instagram didn't exist at the time. So it was a little bit more about the, the vibe of the restaurant, but it was a, it was a thing where suddenly, you know, um, everything, you know, it, it, there was that, that in sort of industrial period, right. Where everything was like exposed metal, exposed brick, exposed wood in some cases. Engine lamps. Yeah. You know, those God awful stools that every single restaurant had, that were like the they were like the least comfortable thing imaginable um and and it was like you know i don't think it was that it photographed particularly well but i think and and again this is maybe something that you guys were even maybe somewhat aware of um although i don't know uh if at this time you both were in new york city but it was it was it was really an attempt to to kind of um you know take that brooklyn aesthetic all over the country. Right. Um, and that remains a, you know, a, a driving force for a lot of design um, around the country is is kind of copying or, you know, sort of riffing on what's popular in New York. Um, and I think even before that you had, you know, a, a previous cycle of these really kind of dark sexy or, you know, kind of air quotes around sexy uh, spaces that were like, you know, there was like a a period I remember where like, I went into a bunch of restaurants in my early, early restaurant days where like, like, they were like these, you know, like candles everywhere. And it was like this whole kind of thing. Right. And so there's always been this element of like design of a restaurant or bar is, is super important. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the first time where it's almost as if the design of the restaurant is centered around people who aren't even in the restaurant. Right. It, it, it's not a someone walks in and they go, Oh, I like the way this place feels. I want to come back here. I, I like the space. It's like, I like the way that picture looks on, on social. And therefore I'm going to try and get in there, which, you know, all restaurants have been trying to create that kind of buzz forever, but it is, it is true that it's like very specifically tied to an aesthetic and a look and a way that it, it photographs.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with, I agree with that. And I, I agree with this idea and I, I don't to a certain extent I think that even when I'm going out, I unfortunately use social media as a tool to see, you know, new places. Um, I think in a lot of instances, uh, websites aren't really up to date. And we definitely saw that over the course of the pandemic. So using social media to see hours or if a place is open, but I think also I use it to see like what the vibe is, um, Mm -hmm. especially for newer places. And I think that for me, the aesthetic of a place says something about the drinks that I can get there. Mm. And I think if a place is really well designed, then I assume, and maybe this is incorrect, that they're going to have really good drinks. Um, and even if they look really good, uh, maybe they don't taste great. But I think that's, that's kind of a connection that I make in my head. Whereas if it's like a, you know, kind of a divy spot or a place that's not, it's very bare bones and I think it's going to be like a, you know, well drinks type of place.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I feel like I, I definitely look at Instagram before I, you know, sometimes before I I choose a spot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely am much harder on places too, that I think get a lot of like Instagram traction Mm -hmm. at, in a way to sort of say like, hmm, like, is that is this the only reason that people are here, right? So like, you know, and then I'm also suspect when I get to a place and like they've been posted about a lot and,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I'm like, wait, this this console doesn't really seem to make sense or, you know, this, like this is really overly sweet and clearly is made just to exist in this specific glassware that yes, a lot of people are taking pictures of, but like, you know, I am very annoyed I'm paying $18 for. Well, It does kind of feel like the whole industry is moving towards
2: this like weird or a segment of the industry is moving towards this like almost like perpetual pop-up like vibe. It's a formula.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Like easy. It's an easily executable formula. I don't agree with it. I I think you're completely right about, um, you know, recognizing that, but it's almost like, yeah, like this is the package. (laughs) Here's Mm -hmm. here's how you do this. Right. Yeah.
1: Where I disagree with this though, is that a lot of these places aren't, really conducive for taking good photos.
0: Why? Because of lighting?
1: Because yeah, of lighting. Like I think of yeah. Temple Bar as a really good example of this. Like that place now is such a vibe and it's so dark. Um, it's impossible to take photos in there. And I know because I'm the asshole trying to do it, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's so dark in there. Um, it's just so hard, but it is, I think, you know, a place that's a lot about the
0: photo ops. I guess I don't think about Temple Bar though when I think about this. What I think about as well is like, I don't want to name the names of any of these places because (laughs) that's not nice. But I think about like these places that are like, this place is completely Island themed and maybe it has the name of an Island fruit and, (laughs) you know, or, you know, this place is set in an airplane and it's like, that is, that's more important than the actual quality of the drinks (laughs) and then the like but people don't care because it's super cool to feel like you're, you know, sitting in a cabana with a crazy, you know, coconut shaped. Why don't underwear. these people just go
2: to Senior Frogs or
0: whatever? Like because, it's the same basic thing. Well, <laughs> first of all, Senior Frogs doesn't exist in New York City anymore. Oh, really? Uh, oh, man. Yeah. I definitely and, went there at least once in college. Yeah. And I think that like th- these places still feel elevated and that like they're uh, it's attracting a certain kind of influencer clientele. Like mm-hmm. it's you know it's expensive enough to feel like it's high end, but like mm-hmm. I don't think the but the drinks are never that good, you know yeah. the it's it's all about the kitsch and these are places that yeah they're very buzzy for like I think the problem with these places is sort of you know what we're all saying is that to operate a place like this to be a restaurateur or a uh, bartender
1: <laughs> bar operator
0: bar operator yeah I just wanted it to be cooler. <laughs> um there's a lot of rinse and repeat you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so we try this concept. It gets a lot of buzz. It gets a lot of press. It exists for two to three years. It starts to wane. You need, you you know, you clear out the space because your lease is actually 10 years and you remodel and you reopen as a new concept. That's another thing that people want to take photos of. Um,
1: It's like the rooftop bar thing, right? Yes. We see that there. And I
0: think that those people, I mean, we've, written about this before too in in rooftop bars like rooftop bars sort of create encourage bring out the worst behavior in people and i think these kind of places do too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i think these places become so kind of sceney and everyone just wants to say they were there That like it creates behavior where like the the consumer is fucking assholes to the staff Mm -hmm. you know like the they they're just there for the perfect photo. Like if, you know, so they're also really demanding of like, wow, the drink looks when it first comes out,
1: you mm, know, like
0: yeah. they're looking for the angles, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, in the same way, I think it, it creates really bad behavior. And I also wonder how much staying power the clientele has, right? So like I I, I have to imagine at places like this, the tables must turn really, yeah, they're not really, really often to
1: these places. Yeah.
0: You know, because you're not going to sit there also and like have for you know four drinks over the course of a few hours with friends like you're there you get your photo op you have a you have a drink and you leave Mm -hmm. um but it just it seems to be like there are more and more and more of these places and we get press releases every week about a place like this like come drink on what feels like a yacht in this certain (laughs) you know in this city in america and blah 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 and it's it's interesting that that's really where we've come to that it's really all about the photo
2: do you think that that element of it that's particularly centered around like being in a different location, that the it's it's increased popularity is because it's been more difficult for people to travel the last couple of years? Like, there's even more demand for the like, you know, whether it's literally you want a picture on your on your social feed that makes it look like you were somewhere else, or just you want to have that experience and and also just take pictures of it. Like, I wonder if some of this is just people's like wanderlust that has not been Mm. able to be fulfilled because traveling is at a minimum more complicated now than it has been uh previously i mean i think we're in the metaverse zach (laughs) oh good oh man we just we're we're doing a podcast about drinks in the metaverse one of these days I mean,
0: no but i think that instagram is a version of the metaverse i think that you know if we want you know If you want to think about what the metaverse actually already is, it's living a life, you know, living a lot of your life online. And I think a lot of experiences exist so that you can portray a certain kind of life online. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is really interesting is that, you know, what? Maybe a a a decade ago now, though. No, but do you remember this? Just because I want to. It was a decade ago, yeah. like you had chefs and restaurateurs, like banning photos in their yeah. bars yes. and restaurants are like, they didn't like it. And now mm-hmm. it, I've never, I have not heard of that at all. And I think it's because a lot of these chefs and restaurateurs realized when they started asking their customers, how did you find out about my, my restaurant? The mm-hmm. overwhelming answer was always social media. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, Oh, huge times review or whatever. Was, I saw it on social. So they're like, okay, cool.
2: We had to change the, you know, our, our, our chefs had to change the way they plated dishes. Really?
0: For
2: oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Like yeah. you could not do you, you had to be, I mean, I'm not saying that like the dish itself was composed all that differently. Like the ingredients were still basically the same, but it can't be, you know, like, cause again, for a lot of this, you know, the, the previous era of dining or eras of dining were all about how it was the, the, the meal, the plate whatever it was experienced by the guest. Right. Mm-hmm. So how it came to the table. And that's yeah. why like, you know, tall food was really in but like in the end most of the food that you see on instagram is photographed top down right so how yeah. vertical it is does not matter what mattered instead was lots of different colors you know kind of um you know so sh- you know, you ge- know geometric, geometric shape disparities yeah. interesting plates like and and everyone you know if you were at a certain i mean obviously if you were at a diner you didn't give a shit you played the food the same way you had forever but like any place <laughs> that that was at least to some extent going to be on Instagram, even if you weren't relying on Instagram as your as a driver for for traffic, you had to reconfigure how you plated things for that reason. And you know, it's actually weird. This is this brings up a, another a, like a a topic or a question I want to ask you guys, which is like, I wonder. You know, like we've also seen this proliferation, and these things are obviously mm-hmm. very connected. Of like, selfie like, I've seen them call it, you know, like selfie museums, or, like, selfie, like,
0: like places of ice cream and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, like, places where you can go, like, take a picture of yourself or have someone take a picture of you posing next to some random shit, right? Mm-hmm. That's just, like, there's a bunch of different rooms with themes and all that, right? And, and you know, there's props and all that. Are we that far away from a, a prop cocktail bar? Like, if people no. don't give a shit about what the quality of the drink is, why don't you just have a prop drink that's, like... It, you know, oh it's it's just dot. it's just whatever. Like no one needs to know if you drank it or not. If you're going to do this thing, if the if the motivating factor for a, a an influencer or someone who wants to be an influencer, or whatever, is to like have the cool picture, like shit. Why buy a drink? So you're not going to drink. Hang out. It probably sucks. <laughs> this I'm is so pushing. I'm, I'm, I'm making myself wretch as I describe this, is, this yeah, but this this I think it's sad. coming.
0: I mean, it's I, maybe already here. Shit, I don't know. I mean, look, I've you had old. you had Rose Mansion for a while, but
2: yeah. Even then you probably still got a glass of wine, yeah, yeah. I
0: don't know, Jen I think we're close,
1: oh gosh, I hope not, but I was actually just wondering like what you think, so if this is also terrible, like then what is the formula for opening a bar these days and finding success without you know appealing to this very instagram driven uh I don't,
0: know, I don't think there is drinkers I don't think there is.
1: No, <laughs> I don't. I, I think you,
0: you, you have to take vision. Whether or not, look, I think you can. Like the key to a you know a long term you know bar is that you have a place that looks great and people would want to take photos at, and then the drinks are also fucking amazing, so people continue to want to come back and drink. Right. Or, or like you say, like, fuck it, we're opening a dive and people take pictures like, oh, we're, a dive, we're in a dive tonight, right. you know, but like, no, I mean, I, you know, this all, this has been forever like aesthetic and are this generation being obsessed with it. And this sort of brings me to my question that I've been sitting here thinking about that again, I know we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but like, do you think that's why also wine's not as popular? Because like every glass of wine kind of looks the same on say, Instagram. If, like, and it, Instagram. It photographs terribly. Yeah. And well, like,
1: I do think it's why wine labels are going the way that they're going. Yeah. Right well, I
0: agree with that because those at least like when you Instagram the bottle, they're like, oh, this looks cool. Yeah. Like, this yeah. looks fun. I think that's why champagne still works. I think that's why rosé works, right? Because it's pink and fun. Bubbles mm-hmm. are fun. But yeah, like I I'm just sitting here being like, yeah, like if I was just out to dinner, I, I don't know the last time I've ever Instagrammed or, or taken a picture and shared Like just my, the glass of wine I'm drinking, but you share the really fun labels and really fun label is different to different people and different groups and demographics, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. like, I do think, yes, that's why you're 100% right. That's got, that's why it has to go that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you got to hope that more people order by the bottle. I mean, like this, the bottle I talked about, the the Beaujolais that I, that I, you know, enjoyed for $90 at the tavern, (laughs) Um, the label's fucking cool. Yeah, it's it's a really cool label. And, you know, it looks, the bottle just looks sick. And so when you post about it, it's like, oh, this looks like a fun wine Adam's drinking. He's not, you know, doing something that's snobby. You know, this is a fun (laughs) wine. And I think that that's, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that people care about that because that's also all about your your vibe. Mm -hmm. So,
2: and I think, I think to add one last piece to this, I think it's like, you know, Joanna, you asked, what can bars and restaurants do? And I'm not sure that Adam's sort of, you know, <laughs> uh, hopelessness is completely accurate, but I we think there's a it. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, though, that it's important to remember when you are, do- when you whatever you are kind of trying to open, that in some ways you are, whatever you are um, putting on your menu, on your cocktail list, et cetera, how you're designing your space or how you're having your space designed, that in a way that is, true now that did not used to be true you're really designing for people who are not there right like you, obviously you want the experience hopefully you want the experience to be enjoyable for um for the people who are dining with you drinking with you etc and you want them to come back but it's but it's true you just can't dodge the fact that like people are going to be taking pictures and i actually think one of the biggest tells of this is how much more design goes into restaurant bathrooms than ever before? Yeah. Agreed. Um, agreed. Bar bathrooms. Because because that's where does that where do people take pictures? In the back, for whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, it, a, a question that I'm not gonna try and you unpack. Get, you
0: can get a good selfie in some mirrors, man. Yeah, well, because yeah. it's better lit than any other <laughs> part of the restaurant
2: generally. There's a mirror, you yeah, know, your yeah. fit looks like, like, yeah. Yeah. But we all know that that's like, that is a thing that people do. And it's why restaurant bathrooms, bar bathrooms are designed now. They're not just a fucking place where you go use the bathroom. Like you don't, they're not just toilets and urinals and, and a sink. They're like a whole vibe themselves. And that piece of it, those kinds of things, um, are are I just don't see going away because as Adam said, even if you know we're not fully in the metaverse yet, like people's lives are more and more their 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 you know uh, in person real life, meat space life, whatever you want to call it, and their and their digital life are so linked that you you just can't even something that you would think is as rooted in the real world as like eating and drinking, yeah, is still connected to all this other stuff. And and if you if you have
0: certain aspirations, you just can't really deny that, yeah. And like we all know right that like most of what we see online isn't real in terms of you know it's 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 a version of ourselves but it's not the true version right like you could have had uh you could have ordered that drink taken that picture of it and then gotten into an argument with your partner you know and had like not a great night but no one has to know <laughs> that because the drink looks cool you know and that's what happens all the time right like you, you know you, you no, no one posts the, the pictures or very rarely of like the screaming baby <laughs> Right? <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. And so I, I think that's also why it has become so important to people that the stuff looks cool because you want to show, here's what I'm doing. And here's what, mm-hmm. what I'm doing that's so great. And mm-hmm. doesn't this look amazing? And so it matters. And yeah, even in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's crazy that you you blow my mind with the the changing the plating of food, Zach. I have to say, I mean, I I should have assumed like just known that, but the fact that you yeah. guys like did that is just nuts.
2: Yeah, no, you had to you had to be aware of what that top down angle looked like of the on the plate in a way that you know, like I said previously, chefs people designing food thought about what it looked like horizontally right what it looked like as it came to the table what it looked like sitting in front of someone and and th- not to say that that totally went out the window but there's a lot of emphasis on what it looks like from wow. from that classic mm-hmm. instagramming
0: crazy all we live in the metaverse all right well uh i will see you uh on friday on
1: friday see you then
0: sounds great Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible and also to Keith Beavers, Vine Pair Stations Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the Vine Pair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.